Hey y'all, welcome to Adoran Podcast. We're on episode 46, and today we're going to dive into studying Abraham. Hi friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Aaron and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. All right, so we had a fun episode last week kind of recapping where we are in the story of Genesis. And just one more little fun note on that before we dive in. The first 11 chapters, I thought this was super interesting. The first 11 chapters um, from creation or Adam to where we are now with Abram covers almost 2,000 years. Um, We find ourselves about 300 years after the flood. But now these next uh, 39 chapters where we, like we said, we're diving deep into a family line only covers about 400 years. So 39 chapters covers 400 years, but the first 11 covered almost 2,000. So we slow down quite yes. a bit. We yes. We were going, going, going. Now we slow down. Slow it down. Yes. So where do we find ourselves at the beginning of chapter 12? So the beginning of chapter 12 starts with the call of Abraham or Abram. I'm going to pull an Aaron on us and call him Abraham. (laughs) Abram. Um, We're introduced to Abram and we see that God sovereignly sought him out. Abram did not seek God out. Um, And this is interesting. We see in other places in scripture that Abram's family actually were not worshipers of the one true God. Mm -hmm. They were idol worshipers. And so we're not exactly sure um, other than God's just sovereignty and, you know, just kind of calling. Abram out and Abram believing and turning to him. Um, so that's really interesting to me. Yeah. And it's, it's encouraging. Yes, right? it is. And it's this theme of God seeking out his people, which mm-hmm. we've already seen multiple places in Genesis. And we talked a little bit about it last week. But to me, it's it's like you said, it's encouraging and it's also comforting because I feel like it takes the pressure off of us. Like yeah. God's going to be the one to do it. Like we have this honor and this privilege to be a part of God's work, but it is not up to us. And so I like that a lot. Yes. And just to, rem- to remind ourselves, we're coming off of Babel, right? Right. So we're coming off of this situation where these these people were trying to make a name for themselves and trying to be, you know, their own gods. And and then we see God kind of do this funny thing where he switches it. And he's like, oh, you people are trying to make a name for yourself. I'm going to pick a nobody mm-hmm. and I'm going to make a name for myself through this family. Mm-hmm. And um, I read this in Gleanings from Genesis, which I thought was really helpful. And talking about the judgment of Babel now leading us to the grace of God through Abram. And it says, having dealt in judgment at Babel, God now deals in grace. This has been and will ever be true of all God's dealings. According to his infinite wisdom, judgment only serves to prepare the way for greater manifestations of his redeeming love. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. We're seeing the judgment that was cast at Babel and now God's redeeming love coming in um, through the people he's going to create for himself through the line of um, through the line of Abram. I'm so yep. focused on trying to say Abram. <laughs> I'm getting distracted. You can't get distracted. We've got a lot to cover <laughs> we here. We do have a lot to cover here. <laughs> so um, let's just read the first couple verses to set us up. So it, in verse one of 12, it says, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you. And I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and those who dishonor you, I will curse. And in all, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. 
this is a lot to unpack. It is. There's, we see a lot of um, of great stuff here. So where do we want to start? Yeah. So first, I um, want to look at how God caused Abraham or Abram to leave to just to to leave everything. And mm-hmm. I think that we can um, think about this and how God calls us to repent. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we're truly repenting, as I was thinking through this, I'm like, wow, yeah, when we repent, it's more than just saying, I'm sorry. Right. Like, it is actually turning and leaving from your ways, like, t- leaving that sin behind. And that is just so hard to do. Um. So, yeah, there was some major conviction there for me, for <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, we see... Um. I, I think it's interesting to the order, right? Like mm-hmm. God tells him to go and then he tells him, here's this blessing. Mm-hmm. And in this blessing, we see um, in this promise, we see three parts. We see, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and I'll make your name great, which is, if you remember chapter 11, all they were trying to do for themselves mm-hmm. in creating the Tower of Babel. They were trying to make themselves great. They were trying mm-hmm. to make their name great. And it's just so interesting to me because this is exactly what they were trying to do. But then God's like, no, it is it is through this line that I'm going to do this and I'm going to do it. It says, I will make your name great. I will bless you and I will make you a great nation. So he's not saying, Abraham, you're going to have to do this for yourself and I'm going to help you. He's saying, I am going to do this. I just love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I did too. And um, as far as like God fulfilling that, we'll talk about that a little bit later with the covenant and how um, it's all about God. Mm -hmm. It's not about us at all. And um, I like that a lot. I think it was interesting. I was reading this in my study Bible um, that Abram had to leave his land to gain land. Mm. He had to leave his relatives to have this um, seed Mm. that he was going to have. And then he had to leave his close family so he could have like a family of all, like everybody was going to be a part of this big blessed family of Abraham. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think about the song, father Abraham, (laughs) I mean, any sense. That was my favorite song as a kid. I loved it. Yes. I like moving. Yeah. But I think about that. Like he had to leave all of Mm. these things and these things that had to be, I mean, it had to be hard to right. leave these things. We just kind of read over it. Like, yeah. Like, okay, whatever. Yeah. But, no, but then right, God's going to bless him even more with the same type of thing, but even greater. Mm. And so that's just really cool. That is cool. I think sometimes we think, oh, I have this good thing. I'm just going to rest here. Mm-hmm. But it's like, no, sometimes you have to leave something that might seem good to get what God really has. That even great better. thing that God has yeah. for you. Yep. Yeah, so like we said, this is God saying he will do it. But I just want one more little note on that to remind ourselves, like, we get to partner with God. Like, it wasn't like God just transported Abraham from one place to another, right? Like, he told him, you Mm -hmm. need to go. So we do get to partner with God, but we just have to remember it's not in our power that we're doing that. It's it's God's authority in his power, and we just get to be obedient and get to be um, a partner with him in that. And like we said, this is an echo of what we heard with Babel. Um, And then... Um, we'll talk more about the blessings as we go, but I thought this was an interesting way to define this. So that word bless, what, um, they define it in the book Drama of Scripture by Bartholomew and Goheen. Okay. I don't know if that's how you say (laughs) that, but he, I think this is really helpful because we hear this word, I will bless you and I will make you a blessing. And we're like, what does that mean? It's really easy for us to kind of go prosperity with that. Like, oh, he's going to make his life really easy and give him all the things and, Mm -hmm. um, it, it's really a complicated word for us to break down. But when talking about this word, bless, in this context, um, they describe it like this. He says, it's God's purpose to give his creatures 
all they need to fulfill their lives in his creation as he intends for them. And I think that's really helpful so we don't kind of put our own baggage of what we think blessing means, but to understand what it means in that promise that he will bless him. And then before we move on from these first few verses, there's something really um, important for us to catch. And that's how we say every page whispers his name, right? Everything, even in Genesis, is pointing us to the coming of Jesus. And that, when we read in verse 3 where it says, in in you, all of the families of the earth shall be blessed. One way um, that that can be interpreted is, is to the pointing of Jesus coming. Mm-hmm. We know it's going to be through Abraham's line, through his family, that eventually, in a long, long time, that Jesus will come. And, and what he's saying here is that through Jesus, through his life and death and resurrection, um, all of the families will be blessed. So that's just a little... Can you call that prophecy? I don't know if you can call that prophecy. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Okay. Um, Just pointing pointing to Jesus through through that promise. Okay. So yeah, another thing is that um, Abraham or Abram at this point was seventy five years old and he still didn't have any kids. And we read later that Sarai was actually barren. And so the fact that he um, heard this from God, this had to be a little bit confusing Mm -hmm. because it's like, okay, I'm going to have offspring. Like you're going to make me a great nation. How is this going to happen? Because it hasn't happened yet. And I don't see it happening anytime in the future. Mm -hmm. And so, but he, he believed and he went, he, um, him and Lot and Sarai and all of his possessions left like God told him to. Yep. And he went to, and these are where the names get confusing, Shechem? Shechem. Shechem and Canaan. <laughs> um, and then in verse 7, we see that the, the Lord appears and he promises, uh, and he says, to, to your offspring, I will give this land. And so we see this this reassurance, this um, just, what do you call that? Repeating mm-hmm. that God is saying, like, he's just coming alongside him, right? So I would probably think, like, okay, here's this promise, and then, I need to you to tell me again. I need you to tell me again. And, and I need you to tell me again. Especially so that... since it didn't seem like it was something that was going to happen. Right. Like all of these things. And once again, we've talked about this before. Like looking back, we have this story that we can see. So to mm-hmm. us, we're like, oh, just trust. Like we know what's going to happen. Right. But Abram did not know what was going to happen. So he was just having to have this somewhat blind faith that the yeah. Lord was going to fulfill these prom- promises. Yep. Yep. And we see that that echo again or that theme of to be fruitful and multiply and have dominion. He says, to your offspring, I will give this land. So um, the first thing he does right after that is he builds an altar to the Lord, which I think is really cool. And I think it's interesting. We see like all these names and he explains exactly where it was. Um because we have to remember that even though we don't know exactly what Bethel on the west and Ai in the east means, but that Moses is writing this to a people who can go, oh, okay, I know exactly where mm-hmm. he's talking about. Yeah. I know exactly where Abram was at this time. And then we see in the very next verse, it says that phrase again, he called upon the name of the Lord. And like we've talked about a couple times too, when you hear something over and over again, let that catch your attention mm-hmm. and, and to really remember that this is important. It means it's important. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And then he journeyed on toward... Negeb. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then he um, goes to Egypt because there was a famine. And it's not stated in the Bible specifically whether this was disobedience or not. And I was actually reading a commentary earlier that said more than likely it wouldn't have consider- been considered disobedience because it was a very um, common thing to do mm. um, would be to go to Egypt and kind of get help during the time of a famine. So so funny. Everything I read said it was definitely you disobedience. Are 
oh that's so funny well they were they were just pointing out the fact more of like and I can get this because I can relate to this is as soon as we take our eyes off what we know is true and we get to the present situation that doesn't feel true then we try to take matters into our Mm -hmm. own hands and so what what I was reading mostly was that people were saying well Abram just tried to take things into his own hands right that's so funny so see I mean there's different ways to interpret Mm -hmm. what you read Mm -hmm. um and the thing that is interesting, though, about this story. It takes a little weird turn. Mm-hmm. Abram tells Sarai to lie and um, say she's his sister, which technically she was technically half not a sister, <laughs> which I was reading that this morning, too. That wasn't really a full lie, but it wasn't really the full truth right. either. Because she didn't she say was, she was his wife. Right. She was his wife. And the whole reason was because she was beautiful mm-hmm. and he was afraid that the people would kill him because she had he had a pretty wife that they would want. So anyway, um, they lie and um, the Lord afflicts Pharaoh with plagues. And so Pharaoh realizes there's something not right going on here. And um, he says, why in the world did you lie to me about this girl being your wife? Mm -hmm. And um, he sends him away. So I think the whole, one of the um, big picture lessons that we can that we can kind of take away from that is that God is faithful despite our sin, mm-hmm. um, and God's people continue to think that their way is better, and we even do that today. And so, so I was thinking about this, and I think that sometimes we think we're doing something good to protect ourselves mm. or the ones we love, but the thing is, when it involves sinning. It's never the right thing mm. and it always gets messy. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's I think it's really hard and I can think of some some really good examples just even in my life recently like you might think that you're protecting someone but when it involves a lie or um just going against something that you know is is not in God's plan for you um, or going against something in the Bible, that's always wrong. And that's always going to cause trouble. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, God will work through that despite our sin. He always does. Um, but we'll be hurt in the process Mm -hmm. because there are consequences for our sin. Yeah. And I think it just comes back to that same truth. Like if the second you take your eyes off God and you put them on your circumstances, you're going to think I got to fix this Mm -hmm. and forget the fact that no, you're in the hands of the only one who is in control over it. So it's interesting that Abram thought, okay, well, you know, God obviously isn't going to protect Sarah and I from Pharaoh when he just heard that God was going to make his name great, mm-hmm. bless him, give him descendants. Yeah. And yet he was still worried that he was going to be killed. Yeah. So it's just, it's funny, but we do the same thing, right? Oh, we absolutely. Do the same thing. All the time. So before we move on to chapter 13, I think a main takeaway we can take from chapter 12 is that that call to Abraham that um, in the in the first few verses that we heard is the same call for each of us today, that that call for absolute confidence in God, that call that that we are to take God at his word and to obey him with just simple faith and the call to separate ourselves from the world and from sin and to fully depend on God is that same call that that we have for us today. We are called still to repent and to put our absolute faith and trust in God. And so it's just so cool to look back all the way to the very first book of the Bible and see that the God is the same. He's has the same call to Abraham that he has for us. And I just love that. Mm -hmm. I love that too. That immutability, Mm -hmm. big word for never changing. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, so moving on to chapter 13, um, we see Lot and Abram um, go into a land and they realize that this land that they're at cannot support everything that they have. That's so weird, right? I know, so but you know what? As I'm, lis- I'm listening through the rest of Genesis towards the end, the same thing happens with, I think it's Jacob and Esau. Mm. And so apparently this was a common thing that the land, which, okay, so if you think of livestock, neither one of us are farmers, but if you think of them, I mean, you have to have enough grass, hay, whatever for all of them. So I guess if they have a lot of cows, they can't all eat off the same little plot of grass. So, I mean, I guess it makes sense, but yeah, it does kind of sound weird to us. Um, So anyway, they decide to split. Mm Mm-hmm. So Abraham, coming off of chapter 12, like we just saw the whole thing that happened with the line and the Egypt situation, Abraham has seen that like trying to do things his own way does not work out so well. So now he's back to trusting God. And um, and we see that by he gives Lot the the option to choose where he wants to go with the land. And in doing that, um, Abram is older and he would technically buy that culture be the one who gets to choose which land mm-hmm. is his. But he's laying down um, that right, and he's saying, I am not in control. God is in control, and um, you can take whatever land you want, Lot, because I know ultimately God is sovereign over that, and God will give me what he says he will give me, and you can have whatever you're going to choose. And then the great thing is that right after that happens, God does. He says, oh, lift up your eyes. Mm-hmm. You you have to the east and to the west. And so God's like, that's right. Like surrender to me yes. and you will have more than if you tried to grasp for, for something yourself. So talking about lifting up your eyes, we see in verse 10 that Lot, he lifted up his eyes. He looked and he he chose what looked more desirable, which that sounds familiar, right? Mm-hmm. Just like Eve, Eve, he looked with his eyes, he beheld something as desirable and he chose it. Um, and we see that how relevant that is because we know that looking at something like Casey said in that episode about Eve, like you have to look at it to behold Mm -hmm. it, to desire it, to step into sin. And I think sometimes we do this in our own lives. We're like, Oh, well, I'm just going to be close to sin, but I'm not actually going to be in sin because what Lot chooses is the land. It looks more attractive, but it's right next to like Sodom and Gomorrah and sinful, sinful mm-hmm. areas. So I thought that was interesting. And, and maybe we can each kind of share something that where we've done that in our lives where we're like, oh, well, I'm not technically sinning. I'm just going to go stand right next to it and look at it. Or I'm just going to mm-hmm. stand right next to it thinking, you know, I'm, I'm in a good place. I can withstand right. that. You think you're strong enough. Mm-hmm. You always do. And so... Aaron, you know, said, hey, maybe we could do some examples. So I was thinking through this and I was like, okay, what examples? And one of the first things that popped to my mind was um, how we talk about being alone with our boyfriends when we're dating. Mm. I know this is funny because it took it back to like 16 year old Casey. Yeah. But I was just thinking it's a good example because, you know, um, like my youth pastor and my parents always told me like, don't play with fire kind of deal. Like Mm -hmm. you don't need to be alone with whoever you're dating. Most of the time it was Jonathan. Like y'all don't need to be (laughs) alone in a room with the door shut. Like that's just playing with fire. That's tempting yourself. And no matter how good of a Christian girl I thought I was, was and how pure I thought I was, um, putting yourself right next to temptation just is not smart. It's unnecessary, it's, right? It, it is. Yeah. It's unnecessary. And I did notice those times, you know, when we would when we would step up to that temptation, it was tough. Mm-hmm. We struggled. But if we didn't put ourselves in those in those positions, then it wasn't as hard. Right, right. I think um 
the one that comes to mind most for me is food. <laughs> That's another one I, I wrote know, down. <laughs> I so I'm like at the grocery store and my favorite snacks at Costco are on sale. There are these things called hip peas and oh I'm gosh. obsessed with them. Shameless plug. <laughs> we don't get any money for this, but um, I'm Hippies, obsessed with them. if you want them. to sponsor <laughs> us, we'd be happy for you to. <laughs> no, because I will eat them all. Anyways, they're on sale. So I bought like they're giant bags too. So I bought like three giant bags and I'm like, oh, this will last me like months. It'll be great. I have these snacks. And then literally I've eaten all three bags. Like, and it doesn't upset your stomach. They're chickpeas. No, they're oh so my good. Gosh. They're so good. And so <laughs> anyways, I'm like, oh yeah, I'll be fine. Like I'll just have them in my house. It doesn't mean I'm going to have to eat them. But as soon as they're right in front of my face, I eat the whole stinking yep. bag. And so yep. I think that's, that's just another like tangible yeah. easy example is we think, you know, in that moment we're like, oh, it'll be fine. But I'm like, no, in the moment of weakness, I eat everything. Mm-hmm. So those are just two examples that we can take to real life but there's you know countless more mm-hmm. serious examples but if we look back and we see now that lot has picked his land then we see in verse 14 it says the lord said to abram after lot had separated from him lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are so here we're seeing that lot looked up on his own and picked something that was not the best abraham abram was being faithful to God, and he did not look up and try to pick a land. He was waiting for God. And so then God comes in and says, lift up your eyes. And that tells us that we see, you know, Lot was walking by sight, and Abram was walking by faith, Faith. which is something we hear about Abram all the time, right? He's walking by faith. Um, And we see that through this, God, like we mentioned earlier, he says, look to the east, look to the west. And he recalls that promise again to him that he will give him all that land to his offspring in the dust of the earth. And so we're hearing echoes again of that same creation mandate to be fruitful and multiply and have dominion, which I never noticed how consistently we hear that. all over the place. Isn't it crazy? Kind of like whenever I was going through like um, Leviticus and Exodus last year, I heard over and over about the Sabbath, Mm -hmm. like over Mm -hmm. and over and over. And so it's neat to hear those repetition and to see what's important to God. Because that shows what's really important. And I love that at this point, this is just my own thoughts this is not backed by any um study or anything i mean besides my own study (laughs) but i just couldn't help but think so abram you know he just lied in egypt and he wasn't following god at that point he was following his own desire and trying to protect himself and so i i I can't help but think that maybe abram was doubting did he mess up god's promise Mm -hmm. did he do something that then you know, discounted that promise and it wasn't going to happen anymore. And I love how caring and faithful God is that he comes again and he tells him that promise again. Mm -hmm. And I just think of how wonderful that is that God does that for us through his people, through his word. Anytime that we're, you know, struggling with something and we, we know that God loves us or we know that God is good, but then he sends, you know, a friend who Mm -hmm. comes and texts you and says, you know, God is good and God is for you. And in that moment, you're like, wow, God, that was so above and beyond Mm -hmm. in caring. And it's like, that's what he's doing with Abram right here is he's like, yes, you have failed, but I am faithful. Mm -hmm. Yes, you have lied, but I have promised this to you and I am going to be faithful. And so he was still confirming that that promise is still true, that he's still going to do that through Abram and for Abram. Yeah, this has been huge for me lately. Um, I've 
had a really hard time like believing in my heart about God's restoring power. Mm-hmm. Just I know that it's true and I know that that he can restore really things that have seemed to be broken. Um, I know that's that's all throughout the Bible. And that's one of his promises to me as his child. Mm -hmm. Um, But in those moments, like it's hard to believe and it's hard when you see such deeply rooted sin. Mm -hmm. It's like, there's no way. Like Mm -hmm. you just feel ashamed and you feel like the Lord, like he's not going to want to restore this. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not worth it. I'm not good enough. Why would he fix something that I might just fall into again, like all these different thoughts. Um, But just being reminded that his ability to fulfill his promises, even when we royally mess up, like it's, it's true. Like it's all throughout the Bible and, and he can, and he will. And like you said, those little reminders through friends and um, maybe even people you follow on social media through reading scripture, you know, those little reminders are just so kind of God Mm -hmm. to give us over and over again. He's like, I've told you this. I've been telling you this for 30 years and I'm going to keep on telling you this. And so I liked this a lot. Yeah, that's really good. All right, moving into chapter 14. We're not going to spend as much time on this one because there's a lot of names. (laughs) Names are important. (laughs) Names are important. That's my first note on here is that (laughs) names matter. And we've talked about that a little bit over the last couple of weeks that that names matter. And though even though we can't pronounce them, God can. And they all matter to him. And it shows us, you know, who he is and that he's caring. So to summarize kind of what happens in this one, um, there is the first time we see a war in the Bible, um, they have names, but I'm just going to say it was four kings against five kings and, and all their people. And they came together and, um, Lot ends up being a captive uh, of that war and all of his possessions. And, um, we see that Abram jumps in and is quick to help. And this really stuck out to me. The first few times I was studying through this to prepare for this, I didn't even notice. I just thought, yeah, well, Abram's going to go help. Like it's his family. But the things I did not notice was that it, it was almost, I mean, some people, I don't know if this is 100% true, but what I've heard and what I've studied is that it was over 150 miles. I had no idea he they were went, like that far yes. apart. Like, that's crazy. I know. So it said he went, Abram went 150 miles with his people um, to get Lot back. And I love that because from the, we don't know exactly what happened when they split mm-hmm. Lot and Abram. And we don't know how much tension there was. Right. We heard there was strife, but we don't know the extent of that. We didn't hear about really reconciliation or anything mm-hmm. like that. So the last thing we know is that they just kind of split over strife. And yet Abram is still immediately, he's not like, well, let me think about if I want to go help you. I don't really know if it's worth it, but he just, he picks up and he goes and he seeks out, you know, what was lost and he, brings it back and he redeems it and he restores it. And I think that's just a really, really great example for us to not let, you know, past strife and things like that hinder what God wants us to do. Like Casey was saying, he is a God of restoration and um, that we get to be agents of that in our personal relationships. Yeah, that's good. Um, And so Abram defeated these people and took Lot back and a bunch of other stuff. That's what Aaron's note says. (laughs) And a bunch of other stuff. A bunch of other stuff, some possessions. And um, so then the kings blessed um, Abram and he tried to give Abram more stuff. Mm -hmm. But Abram said, no, I just want my people. Um, And he said he wouldn't want to take anything from him because he didn't want people to uh, or he didn't want 
the kings to be able to say that I made Abram rich. Yeah, I and I liked it. Yes, it caught my attention every time I read through it. And I think it's because Abram truly wanted God to get all the yes. glory. Yes. Like he didn't he didn't want any humans to be able to say that anything good happening mm. through Abram was because of them. He wanted God to get all that glory. Wow, so I thought powerful. that was good because I mean I don't know. That's tough not to accept these things, these material things. And then Abram also, it says that Abram gave him a tenth a tenth of everything, Mm -hmm. which is our first little glimpse into tithing Mm -hmm. um, that we'll see later throughout scripture. Yeah, that is so interesting. And I think that's really convicting to me because I'm I struggle with pride. I've talked about it on here before. But anytime like someone wants to give you a compliment or something like that. I'm like, oh, yeah, well, God has given me a lot of gifts, like, but still putting it back on myself, you know, like, oh, yeah, I'm good at this. (laughs) Like, no, I shouldn't try to take any of the glory. It's all God. And so that's a that's a good reminder. Good job, Abram. (laughs) Way to go, Father Abraham. (laughs) We're a fan. (laughs) All right. So jumping into 15 This is the last chapter we're going to cover today. And and buckle your seatbelts. Buckle up, baby. <laughs> There's a lot of crazy in this one. Not crazy. That's blasphemy. There's a lot of <laughs> stuff in this one. Um, so we have to remember that going into 15, we have to remember that these chapter separations and these verse separations, these were not there when Moses was writing this and telling the story, right? This was added in after. So we have to remember it's not like 14's done. We're done with that chapter. Now we're right. on 15. Mm-hmm. We have to remember that as we read the first couple verses of 15, it's coming on the heels of 14. So the kings tried to bless. Abraham and Abraham was like no this is all for God's glory I don't want anybody else to get glory from anything that happens and so the very next thing we see is that God's like hey good job Abram that's exactly right and guess what I am your shield and your reward will be very great so in that first verse God comes and tells him you know you didn't accept that reward from those kings and you did the right thing and your reward will be great Mm -hmm. and I sometimes struggle with this because I think well if I say no to this one good thing then maybe something else isn't going to come along and or if I say you know yes to this one thing am I missing out on something else I have major FOMO so Mm -hmm. but what God's doing here is saying you know what you are faithful you are obedient and I am still here and your reward is going to be great Mm -hmm. and reminding him again of that promise again yes Yes. So um, more time passed and God reminds Abram of his promise. And um, I think like Aaron was saying, like having to be reminded over and over. And I, I think about this because so many times when I'm listening to our own podcast, like on Wednesday before it's released on Thursday, we will have recorded it like two or three weeks before. Right. Well, I'm listening to it and I'm like, Oh yeah, I said that. Like <laughs> I need that reminder again today. Yeah, so to I'm like speaking to myself <laughs> and it happens all the time. Yeah. And sometimes I'm even kind of embarrassed. I'm like, Oh man, did I say that? Cause I have not been acting that way this week. <laughs> like I have not been acting like I believe that oh. that is true. Mm. But I, I'm so thankful because I feel like that is the Lord saying to me over and over, hey, I taught you this before. Yeah. You believed this two weeks ago. You right. need to believe this today. Yeah. And so that's very much the same thing that he was doing to Abraham, you know, just over and over and over. My promises are true. My promises are true. Right. So 
Yeah, and that's a good a reminder about reminding ourselves of the gospel daily, right? Mm, if yes. We, if we're not constantly reminding ourselves of the gospel, then we could easily fall into pride or boasting mm. like, I deserve God's grace. Or if we're not reminding ourselves of the gospel, we can live out this workspace mentality like, oh, I got to earn God's favor. But reminding ourselves, you know, that we are sinners in need of a savior and that God provided a way for us to be mm. reconciled back to him. Reminding ourselves of that daily really grounds us in who we are and what we're supposed to mm. do do Mm -hmm. in response to that yeah and I think it's important here too to just kind of see that doubt or asking questions is not sin Mm. I think that sometimes and we actually we talked about this in the last episode I think but um sometimes we think that questioning is is wrong or Mm -hmm. bad especially if we've grown up in church it's like well I should have known that like I'm sure I was taught that when I was five but it's not bad. Questioning's not bad. It's what we do with it mm-hmm. um, that can that can be sinful. Yeah. Um, but here we see Abram asking God, "How is this possible?" Yeah. I mean, he sees that Sarai is barren, right? Mm-hmm. And and so he's like, "How is this possible?" Yeah, I think that's that's a really good point because I even struggle with like sometimes, is God going to be upset? if I come to him with this question mm-hmm. or this doubt, like I don't want him to be annoyed that he has to repeat himself again. And we, we don't see that. We see God is mm-hmm. very gracious in the way that he responds. Every time someone comes back to him, is like, I need some confirmation mm-hmm. here. And that, that's yeah. what Abram's doing. He's like, well, how, I mean, I know you've promised this and it's been a while now and I'm not mm-hmm. seeing fulfillment to this. And that just comes back to us. You know, we are so, we want instant proof, right? Mm-hmm. We want, okay, you said this was going to happen. It better happen today or I can't trust that it's going to happen. But no, this has been a long time coming and and we see that Abraham's or Abram's like, well, is this really going to happen? And then we see God responds back to him. He says, "Look towards the heaven and number the stars if you are able to number them." And then he says to him, "So shall your offspring be." So he's just saying what he's already said over and over again, right? Nothing new here. And then in verse 6, we see this pivotal verse and it says, "And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. What do we think about that? So this is the introduction of the core doctrine of justification by faith apart from works. Mm. So this is where God is saying that because of your faith, I'm counting you as righteous. Mm -hmm. It's not anything you did because we've already seen that Abram's already put himself in several messes and he is not perfect by any means, but because of his, his faith, God is going to count him as righteous. Yeah. And we see this, this is one of the most, um, well, I don't know if that's fair to say. I think it's one of the most requoted passages like in the new Testament. So we see it in Romans four, we see it in Galatians three, we see it in James. And I'm just going to read a little bit out of Romans four, because I think just to reiterate the fact, like we say, like biblical literacy is important and all the Bible is true and it's all one story and it's all God's redemptive story. And that seeing stuff sometimes in the New Testament helps shed a little light sometimes on things in the Old Testament, but also it reminds us that God is the same God and that this is true now, even post Jesus, this is still true. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know, I want to read the whole thing to you. But I'm just going to read a couple parts of it, okay? But in your own time, go and read all of Romans 4. But starting in verse Or just one, all of Romans. Or all of Romans. <laughs> yeah, after Genesis, because there's a lot in Romans too. Okay, so Romans 4, starting in verse 1, it says, What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. 
For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Direct quote right there. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. And then if we skip down to verse 13, it says, For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be the heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. And it goes on and on, and it's so good, and I want to read <laughs> you the whole thing. But um, I think it's just really important for us to note here that, like Casey's saying, this is the introduction to the to the doctrine of justification by faith, which is a big, big thing. But what that means is that it's still the same for us, right? We are saved the moment we are counted righteous um, through God, through through Jesus's imputed righteousness. Which, if you want to know more about that, go back to the episode, the gospel on the gospel. Something about the gospel. <laughs> <laughs> we will try to link it in the show notes. Yes. <laughs> um, but all that means, and this was, we actually did this with my kids the other day because it was in our our. Um, attributes of God study that we were doing with the girls and they what they had you do was take a blank piece of paper and then take uh, another blank piece of paper and on that on one of them put a bunch of dots and all the dots is your sin and then instead you get to throw away that crumpled up piece of paper with the dots on it and you get Jesus's pure white piece of paper and so pure blameless and that's what that means when we get Jesus's imputed righteousness and what happens here is that just like Abraham when we put our faith in God then we get to be counted righteous yeah good stuff so when we talk about this faith and it's kind of one of those Christianese words some people might say but what we're talking about is like we said the imputed righteousness when we have trust and faith in God and what that means is that we have confidence reliant confident reliance on who God is and the work that he's going to do it's um based on the truthfulness of his word and it leads to obedience to his commands so i think that's a really important thing is faith doesn't just stop mm. with belief yes. It has to be accompanied with action. So it's obedience, and but it's also rest. So we rest in who God is, and then we move out of that place. So we know who God is. We know what he's done for us on our behalf. And then it's out of that place that we are moved to action. We're moved to obedience. So I like the word rest and action or rest and obedience because those things you wouldn't think go together necessarily. Right. But that's what it is. It's resting in who God is and then acting out of, out that, of that place. Mm, that's good. So uh, when we think about faith, another thing is our faith is most often tested in trials mm. like this. Like, mm -hmm. for instance, like n not having children, like um, Abraham seeing that, okay, you tell me I'm going to have all of these offspring. You show me all the stars. You tell me to count the dust and I don't even have one. Mm -hmm. um, so it's times like that, that, uh, that our faith is tested most, I think. Yep. And I love how we're focusing on this chapter. I mean, verse six of chapter 15 right now, but the very next thing we see after it says that he was counted as righteous, we see in verse seven and and this is God saying to him. And I said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. So he's reminding him, like we've been saying this whole time that, you know, even though Abram has messed up, and he's gone back and forth on whether he's trusting God or trusting his own ways. But God is reminding him, I am the Lord. I am the Lord. I am the one who brought you out. I am the one who is in control. I am the one who is sovereign. I am God. And it's that, like we're saying, it's resting in that fact that 
God is who he says he is. And even though we need to be reminded of that, um, it's good for us to to read that and to be reminded that that's that's where our faith lies. Mm-hmm. Our faith doesn't lie in, in our obedience, but our faith lies in who God is first. Right. And it reminds me of this um, quote from Jen Wilkin. I don't remember. Oh, it's from Women of the Word, actually. I just remembered. But what she's talking about here is, we a lot of times read scripture and we'll be reading this about Abraham and we'll say, okay, and he believed the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. So I need to believe the Lord and it'll be counted to me as righteousness. And while all of that is true, when we look to the scripture solely looking for how we fit into the scripture or what we can take away about ourselves, we're missing a big piece. We're missing maybe the most crucial thing. And that is what verse seven says, I am the Lord. And Jen um, in Women of the Word, what she says is that, when we look to scripture to look for ourselves, what we're trying to do is, you know, find answers to who we are. And so she says, but our insecurities, our fears, and our doubts can never be banished by the knowledge of who we are. They can only be banished by the knowledge of the I am. Mm. And so what we're seeing here is that fear that Abraham Abraham came to the Lord with, like, how is this going to happen? I don't have any children. God isn't like, you can do it, Abram. You just got to believe in who you are. What he says is, no, I I am am. the Lord. So we have to remind ourselves of that when we're reading scripture. We, the only way we can really, you know, bring all our insecurities and fears and have those things answered is not by knowing anything about ourselves, but it's by the knowledge of the I am. Mm-hmm. But then in verse eight, what mm-hmm. happens again, again, <laughs> he says, but oh Lord God, how am I to know I shall possess it? Mm-hmm. And so he's still, yeah. even then he's like, Lord, just show me, yeah. show me how. And God is gracious to do that. Yeah. Like he, he sure is, is with us he in sure kind is. of a seemingly weird way. Yes. I mean, at the time it wasn't weird. Like this was an ancient, um, cultural mm-hmm. normal thing to them but us it seems really weird because he's like how are you how can i trust you god show me and god's like go get a ram and go get a dove <laughs> and a pigeon and a goat it's like wait what and cut I, them all in half yeah he's like no i just asked for a way to trust you i don't i don't need all these <laughs> animals like i'm sure abraham was like what are we doing here so now buckle up because it's gonna be a little bit crazy mm-hmm. and we're gonna do our very best to kind of present what um what we've been studying here and there is differing beliefs on a lot of this stuff so we're going to kind of try to summarize it for you and tell you what we have found and what we believe to be true and then hopefully like our intro says like we hope that you will want to dig deeper and discover more truths for yourself yes okay so after god tells abraham or abram still at this time to gather up all these animals and cut some of them in half and and lay them down. I mean, I'll read that verse. Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought all of them, cut them in half, and laid them each half over against the other. Um, but he did not cut the birds in half. <laughs> so um, then after that, then after that, um, the sun went down and Abram fell into a deep sleep. And Aaron had some interesting notes on this. Well, I think... I thought this was very weird, but there's debate over um, over what that actually means. Like, was he asleep? Was he kind of um, in the same state that Adam was when Eve? Some people say that he was like oh. in the same state that Adam was when, when he, God created right. Eve. And so, huh. so we don't. We're Which not. Which would make sense? Yeah, because God maybe caused the 
the deep sleep. So yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Um. So then the Lord said to Abram, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there. And they will be afflicted for 400 years, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace and you shall be buried in a good, good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. And then this is where it gets very, it can get get very confusing. So we're going to try to break it down a little bit. But then it says, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these two pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram saying to your offspring, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. And then it goes on to to name other places. So basically what just happened is God made a covenant Mm -hmm. with Abram. Um, And so when we talk about covenants, covenants are often compared to a contract, which it is true in that it's a binding agreement. But um, a lot of covenants in the Bible that we see follow a similar pattern to um, the Near East Suzerain Vassal um, Treaty. So a suzerain vassal treaty was different in that it was often between unequal parties, such as a king, which mm-hmm. was the suzerain, and the conquered, which were the vassals. And we kind of see this parallel with God being the king and then the people of is of Israel. So um, that is what we're seeing. Like the whole way that this is set up was was set up similar to these these treaties that they were all uh, that they were already used to seeing. Mm-hmm. So this was not like when. Moses was was um, writing this to the people of Israel. They were not like, what in the world's going on? Like, like we this, are. Right. <laughs> this seems bizarre to us, but it was not bizarre to them. And they were able to understand it, I think, a lot more quickly than we are today. Yeah, yeah. So a co- the covenant that we're talking about was um, always ratified with blood. Um, and then the two parties, so they would split these animals, and then the two parties would pass between these um, parts of these animals. And this was basically signifying to them that if they break the covenant— they're saying, let happen to me mm-hmm. what has happened to these animals. And it actually talks about that a little bit in Jeremiah 34, 18. It says, and I thought I bookmarked it. Where did it go? <laughs> oh, I did. Just a second. <laughs> okay. Um, it says... And the men who transgressed my covenant and did not keep the terms of the covenant that they had made before me, I will make them like the calf that they cut into and pass between its parts. So that's what they're saying. And they're saying, like, if I don't keep this covenant, I'm toast, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, So in this specific covenant, we see God alone as a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch. I know that sounds crazy, but this is what this is what we call a theophany. Mm -hmm. And so this is um, whenever. Well, the definition of theophany is a visible revelation of the divine. So that's when God like shows himself visibly. That's a theophany. And it's a smoking fire pot um, and a flaming torch because we see multiple times in the Bible that God, um, the, the symbol for God is either smoke mm-hmm. or 
fire. Mm -hmm. We see it with the pillar of smoke. We see it with um, the burning bush. We see it multiple places in the New Testament. He is um, called an all-consuming fire. Mm -hmm. Um, So this is God passing between these pieces. Do you have something else about this? Well, I I still think it's weird. Like I, (laughs) (laughs) so I was listening. There's a RC Sproul um, podcast about this, and it's so funny. He he says that this verse is his favorite verse in the whole Bible, and I'm Mm -hmm. like, what? Um, But I think it's fun. Really important for us to note that what we're trying to do here or what Moses was trying to do was he was trying to explain the incomprehensible God in a way that people could kind of understand. And so in this book, The Knowledge of the Holy by A.W. Tozer, he's talking about the incomprehensibility of God. And I think it's really helpful to help understand this passage. So what he says is, left to ourselves, we tend immediately to reduce God to manageable terms. We want to get him where we can use him or at least to know where he is And we want a God that we can in some measure control. We need a feeling of security that comes from knowing what he is like. And what he he is like is, of course, a composite of all the things in the pictures that we have seen. All the best people we have known or heard about or sublime ideas that we have entertained. So what he's saying here is that we can't fully say that this is God is a, like a smoking pot. But what we think is happening here is Moses is doing his best to describe what the presence of God in that moment yeah. would have been like. Mm. So for, for us, like for me, I get stuck on the fact like, what the heck? A flaming torch? Like, what does that actually mean? But what Tozer is saying is that what what we're trying to do is we're trying to explain an incomprehensible God in a comprehensible way. Right. And that sometimes we just can't do that. Mm-hmm. So that helps me kind of be like, okay, and not kind of just hone in on the fact of the smoking pot and just be able to mm-hmm. kind of remove myself enough to go, okay, it's, God. it's not literally a right. smoking pot. This is like, Casey is saying, this is mm-hmm. a theophily, the- <laughs> not theophily, theophany. <laughs> theophany. And to just try not to, because if you're like me, you get real distracted by the details. So try not to get distracted by the details and remember that what we're learning about here is that Moses is teaching us about this covenant that God was making. Mm-hmm. So like I had said before with the covenant is that usually both parties walk through the middle of these animals. But in this, we just saw God, this theophany, go back and uh, between the animals. And so this does not, um, th- th- this is God saying that he by himself is going to keep this covenant. This doesn't mean that Abram doesn't have a responsibility to uphold, but it just means that even when he messes up, because we know he's going to, he already did before and we know he will again, God will fulfill fulfill his promise. It's it's all up to God. Um, and this is a foreshadowing of the covenant of grace, which is what we're under today, um, which was made when Jesus spilled his blood and God promised redemption for all that put their their faith mm-hmm. in him, mm-hmm. um, which is just a beautiful picture. Yeah. Um, once again, like we talked about earlier in the episode, like it's not up to us. Mm-hmm. And that is so comforting. Yeah. So comforting. And so um, we're going to talk just a little bit. And I have poured and poured over this <laughs> the last few days. Jonathan last night was like, did you sleep at all? And I was like, I don't think so. <laughs> like, I've just been studying this because I want to present this to you in the in the most accurate way. But I think once again, um, parts of it comes down to that mystery and we're never going to fully comprehend it because what I found is I was reading trusted theologians that don't agree on this. Mm-hmm. And if they don't fully understand it and don't fully agree, then um, we're certainly not going to, but we can present it to you in a way that maybe you can better understand it than you did 10 minutes ago. Right. So... 
Um, there are two different terms used for covenants. We have conditional and unconditional covenants. And it is highly debated whether the Abrahamic covenant is um, conditional or unconditional. And um, so we're not going to get stuck on those words. Um, but basically, what's important is that what we already said, that that God is going to fulfill his covenant and that it is it is up to God. And yes, there is a condition in that Abraham had to have faith, right? Like we already saw that. We saw that Abraham believed and it was counted to him as righteousness. Mm-hmm. Like that faith part was important. So if we're looking at that, we can say, yes, there was a condition. But if you read verses like Ezekiel 36, 27, which says, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes be careful to, careful to obey, uh, obey my rules. And also Philippians 2.13, which this is a verse that we quote quite often. It says, it is for God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So yes, it is, it's about us having faith, but it's God that, that puts that faith mm-hmm. in us. Mm-hmm. And so still, even though we have to have that faith, it is still dependent on on God Mm -hmm. to do it. And so unconditional, conditional, whatever you want to call it, all that matters is that God's in control and Mm -hmm. he's sovereign over all and he will fulfill his promises. Um, So when it gets all confusing and when, when um, you're reading all sorts of different things and commentaries and online and all these different places, ultimately um, the important thing to, to keep in the front of your mind is that um, God's got it. Yep, exactly. And one fun little note that, well, I think it's fun, but in the, in the, during that covenant that he's making with him, God says that, I guess this is not fun. Fun was not the appropriate word. (laughs) So he says, your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and, and will be servants there and will be afflicted for 400 years. And that's not fun. Yeah, that's not but fun. <laughs> what's fun is that we see we if you think about you know God's redemptive story, we see that that's going to happen, and it even says in the fourth generation, um, and they shall come back in the fourth generation. And if we count the generations down, we see that that's exactly what happens through you know Abram, Isaac, Jacob, and then Joseph. We see that that's when they um, are brought back, and so it's just so. I just got cool. chills. Like it's it's just to see this fulfilled. And yes. why would we doubt that? Right. Like, why would we read that and doubt that that is how it would play out mm-hmm. in later chapters and books? And But still, like, yeah. I think it's our nature to question. Yeah. And, and we want to see that proof. And the yes. proof is there. Yep. The proof is in the pudding. Mm, pudding, <laughs> yum. Okay, so we're going to end with a quote from the drama of scripture. And um, he's, they say, I'm not sure who to quote in this one because it's two different authors, but I'm just going to say, they say, um, though sin has brought God's curse on creation, God is still at work to recover his purpose of blessing for all the people he has made. And Abraham is to be the medium of that divine restoration for the world. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes, and most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cobbs.